Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's June 8th, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes. There, there were a lot of things that we had planned to talk about today. The preview of the G7 summit, maybe talk about what's going to happen in Singapore, uh, the congressional action on immigration. But of course, all of those plans changed with the uh, very sad news about Charles Krauthammer. Uh, in an open letter in the Washington Post, uh, Charles informed his, his readers and, and his friends uh, that he may not have long to live and that he's not going to be writing uh, again. The, you know, this, this hits home for a lot of us uh, at the Weekly Standard. Many of us knew him. And uh, as, as Steve Hayes points out in an editor's note uh, today, uh, Charles has been a contributing editor to the Weekly Standard since the magazine's founding back in 1995. And, of course, uh, uh, the Standard has published dozens of articles. If you go to the site right now, uh, they've posted an entire archive of all of Charles Krauthammer's writing, which, of course, is only a fraction of what he has has done. The reaction to this, I, I think, is extraordinary as we try to get our heads around what Charles Krauthammer's departure is going to mean. I, I tweeted out immediately, and it was it was sort of instinctive, that it's hard to really overstate the loss of Charles Crowd, what the loss of Charles Krauthammer means for the conservative movement, but but also for the state of rational, intellectual, civil, political discourse. It, he was such an extraordinary man. He is he is so utterly irreplaceable. In in, in many ways, kind of a throwback in an era of. Uh, internet trolls, uh, clickbait celebrities, uh, the talking heads that uh, increasingly dominate much of the media. And and as I wrote a little while ago, he, he's he's been an inspiration. And I mean this in a personal way as well, an inspiration on so many different levels. His, his life story, the personal courage that he showed reinventing himself after a, an injury left him in a, in a, in a wheelchair, uh, the the quality of his mind, the lucidity of his prose, and it's just his fundamental decency and intellectual honesty. And I, I know you're going to be hearing a lot about Charles Krauthammer from folks, uh, you know, all over the all over the country. And what I wanted to emphasize was how sincere it's going to be. We, we live in an age of hype and of over the top praise, but I. I personally don't know anyone who interacted with Charles Krauthammer who does not regard him with affection and respect. I see uh, Jonah Goldberg uh, tweeted out a little while ago, I knew this was coming, but that doesn't lessen the agony of this announcement. Charles Krauthammer is one of the most brilliant, decent, humane, impressive people I have ever had the honor to know. Never mind call a friend. I am heartbroken over this. And I don't think that there's, uh, there's any overstatement. Uh, that don't that engage in any overstatement. I know that there's a lot of other places you can you can read this, but uh, Charles's note to his readers was uh, characteristically powerful and eloquent. And he wrote, I have been uncharacteristically silent these past 10 months. I had thought the silence would soon be coming to an end, but I'm afraid I must tell you now that fate has decided on a different course for me. In August of last year, I underwent surgery to remove a cancerous tumor in my abdomen. That operation was thought to have been a success, but it caused a cascade of secondary complications, which I have been fighting in hospital ever since. It was a long and hard fight with many setbacks, but I was steadily if slowly overcoming each obstacle along the way and gradually making my way back to health. However, recent tests have revealed that the cancer has returned. There was no sign of it as recently as a month ago, which means it is aggressive and spreading rapidly. My doctors tell me their best estimate is that I have only a few weeks to live. 
this is the final verdict. My fight is over. And then he thanks the people he's worked with. And I, he, he ends with this powerful, this powerful farewell. He says, I believe, that the per, I believe that the pursuit of truth and right ideas through honest debate and rigorous argument is a noble undertaking. I am grateful to have played a small role in the conversations that have helped guide this extraordinary nation's destiny. I leave this life with no regrets. It was a wonderful life, full and complete, with the great loves and great endeavors that make it worth living. I am sad to leave, but I leave with the knowledge that I lived the life that I intended. I think most of us would like to be able to say farewell uh, in that particular way. So I, I want to do something that's, uh, I would say, highly unusual, both for this podcast and just, just unusual in, in general, because nobody's actually around the Weekly Standard office on this Friday afternoon. So um, I'm doing this solo, but not completely solo. I've actually asked uh, my, my wife, uh, Janet, J.F. Reardon, uh, to, uh, to stop in and uh, to, to join me wearing her pajamas. Well, podcasts are for pajamas, I'm pretty sure. Well, the reason I, would, I wanted you to talk about this is because it, you actually had an encounter with, uh, with, with Charles Krauthammer. I, I did as well, which I'll talk about in a moment. But uh, my, my wife, Jeff, is, uh, is, a, is, is, is a novelist. And a few years ago, how many years ago was it that you it was, got? To, it was in 2014. Was the, oh was God. when I had the pleasure of introducing him when he was here to speak at uh, Centennial Hall in Milwaukee about his most recent book. Um, but I well, did so encounter him some yeah, other so, times as well. So just tell me what you know, and this is what I think people want to know: what Charles Kramer, what Charles Krauthammer was like as a as a person. Well, first of all, I just want to say that you know when you're a kid and you dream of the heroes that you want to meet, I think Charles Krauthammer for me was one of those kinds of people, um, and it's incredibly sad uh, to to read his his farewell. Um, I, I, well, by the way, before you go any further, yeah. you know, yeah, you always want to meet your hero, and he was really one of my heroes. As you, as you know, I, I did the radio show for twenty three years, and and to say that he played a major role on on the radio is putting it mildly. We got to the point of playing sound bites from Fox News or reading from his columns so frequently that we we created a segment that we called "Dropping the Krauthammer." Right. So actually meeting him is daunting because you're you're always afraid that that the person you admire so much is not going to live up to your expectations or might be kind of a jerk. And, and, and the, the point here is that, that he did live up to the expectations and what a wonderful man he was. You know, I, I, I can't pretend to have been a friend. I only encountered him, you know, socially a few times. Uh, and, and he was, I suspect, or is rather, I suspect, a, a rather shy person. But he was unfailingly gracious uh, and kind. And uh, I think it's really, as is true for so many writers, you really understand him best through his writing and the thing that's so remarkable remarkable about him in an age of you know twitter and the terrible swamp that that is and all the name calling and vituperation that we all live in in, in modern society here was a man who was who was a public intellectual who loved baseball um but quoted shakespeare while he was talking about a game um who who had a depth and breadth of knowledge and a grace uh, of expression uh, that is really uh, irreplaceable, and and who else do we turn to for that kind of insight? I don't even know. And it, as you pointed out, 
He also was a dog lover, which, oh, which, which, which of course, is a, is a special qualification. And, and you actually wrote something about it where you, you quoted his, his tribute. What, what, what did he write? He, well, I, he, um, in, in his uh, book, uh, Things That Matter, which, which is, I think, a nod to John Adams' uh, famous uh, observation that we practice politics so that our children and grandchildren can do more important cultural things like build buildings and create great works of art and, and write music. Um, and, and it was a collection of, of, of columns that demonstrated really the, the breadth of his interests and the fluency of his thinking. And it was all just built on that fundamental premise that politics is just a means to an end. Um, and, but the thing that surprised me in reading the book, because as I mentioned earlier, um, I was allowed to introduce him when he came to Milwaukee, um, was how deep feeling um, he was. Uh, he writes very movingly of the, the death of, of his brother, the death of his mentor and his friend. He had a very subtle sense of humor, uh, which the superficial uh, reader might not have grasped. And he also had a, a real love of the ridiculous. So his, his writings are companionable and engrossing. But, you know, really, if the, if the underlying compassion of his, of his essays isn't enough evidence, um, he was a dog lover. And that, to me, is a, is a true revelation of someone's character. When his, his son's black lab, Chester, died, he wrote, Some will protest that in a world with so much human suffering, it is something between eccentric and obscene to mourn a dog. I think not. After all, it is perfectly normal, indeed deeply human, to be moved when nature presents us with a vision of great beauty. Should we not be moved when it produces a vision, a creature of the purest sweetness? And really, should we not here mm-hmm. yeah. be privileged to have encountered someone like Charles Krauthammer? You know, you, you do mention his sense of humor, and I think he was, he was, it was so droll. Um, you know, as, as I think you pointed out, I, which I'd, I'd forgotten that he was the originator of the phrase the, rage, uh, the, the Reagan That's doctrine, right. and of course some of his most important work was done on foreign policy, and he was distinguished by being, and he described himself as the only entity on earth other than rogue states that has received an apology from the White House. You also pointed out that he's a fierce opponent of the errant comma. What, what is that? I, yeah, I, I, he, he, has, he has a pet peeve uh, uh, about people who overuse commas, uh, uh, a category in which I, I'm afraid I probably fall. Um, I'm terrible with commas. I'm just awful. You are I just, actually yeah, terrible I, I, I know, commas, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, when, when you, you know, proof my work, it's like, <laughs> well, why did you put a comma there? I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea to put a comma there. Um, yeah, but he, I, I, I am an Oxford comma person. Um, I, I don't think he approved of Oxford commas, but, uh, uh, in any case, uh, he, he is a thoughtful and thorough man. And, and as I, I just go back thinking about what, what place in the world prepares human beings, um, the way he prepared, uh, knowing Shakespeare, reading literature, reading science, understanding, um, uh, you know, this, the, the intricacies of space exploration and commenting on the messages that we sent on the, the Voyager spacecraft. I mean, he had so much depth. I don't know that 
our education system even permits us to have anyone like that coming up through well, the ranks. Well, that's true. And and, and uh, the flip side, in terms of our media environment, uh, are we going to see many, you know, Charles Krauthammers? Uh, you know, quite frankly, is, uh, is he going to be replaced by anybody remotely in his league? And, of course, that answers itself. You know, you were describing your encounter with him. Um, I had, uh, I had, a, I was honored to have a couple of uh, of encounters uh, with him, including. Really, it had to be. I was looking through my my uh, my phone with all the the pictures that I had from the Republican convention in Cleveland back in 2016, which was not a good time for me. I mean, it was there were not a lot of highlights. The one highlight was as I was. Uh, Coming back from the hotel to the convention center, which was really like what, which was like a fortress, um, if you sort of envision it, was you know ringed by you know massive security, and you really had to go through you know uh, very 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 intrusive uh, you know security checkpoints. And a van dropped him off in front as I was walking by. I saw the van pull up and you know wheeled out his wheelchair and deposited him in the street outside the fence. And there was pretty much no way that he was going to be able to get in. I think there was a protest going on. There was, and, and so the police had sealed off the area. I'm trying to remember what it was. In any case, what I went up and I said, "Hey, you know, do you, you know, you need any help getting in?" And he said, "Yeah, I think they dropped me off at the at the wrong entrance." So he and I basically circumnavigated the entire convention center. We had to go around. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to think that we started in the front. Maybe it's the opposite way. All the way around. To get into the, the the entrance that could accommodate him in the in the wheelchair, and so we were you know riding along. It was a very very hot warm day, and uh, one of the things I remember most distinctly was uh, how difficult it was for me to keep up with the wheelchair. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I I am walking and I'm carrying my stuff and starting to realize that I'm sweating. I'm sweating. It's getting hotter and hotter, and he's cruising along. But also, you know, the skill and the courage with which he handled that. You know, there were a bunch of, you know, police uh, barriers that were put up, and everybody everybody recognized him, and everybody uh, accommodated him. But he was, you know, unfailingly polite and, and gracious and and really kind of gutsy when you realize what it was like to, you know, be in a wheelchair, you know, under really difficult uh, circumstances. But, you know, and I'm sitting there, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm walking along sweating, and thinking, I am talking with Charles Krauthammer, and, and and trust me, and having an adventure with him. Well, but I, and I and I ha, and I have to tell you, um, I, I think you know part of the problem in this age of politics and media is how easy it is to get jaded. I was not jaded doing all of that. Uh, what an extraordinary man! Um, you used to be at the Bradley Foundation, and you were kind enough to bring me along as uh, as arm candy uh, to the. I was the arm candy. You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> I am um, laughing for the for the Bradley prizes and. And I had a chance to sit and, and talk with him. This was, of course, before the election. And uh, to be able to talk about what was happening to conservatism, what was happening to the Republican Party, his attitudes towards towards uh, you know the rise of Donald Trump and Trumpism was it was uh, deeply reassuring and inspiring to me. But you know that's the moment you step back and you realize you know they, this kind of these, this passing of an era. And 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 I don't want I don't want to get too you know overly sentimental about it because I mean you know he's he's you know it's it, it's a personal issue for himself and his family but but I guess that's one of the reasons why I think people are feeling the loss this and you described him I think accurately as one of those rarest of things you know a a public intellectual and just a man of such decency and thoughtfulness somebody who was prepared to change his mind if he thought he was wrong which again makes him an outlier in an age of dogmatic tribalism. Well, you know, there was, there was in his intellect 
uh, an incredible strength, which was clearly reflective also of his emotional strength. I mean, overcoming the obstacles he overcame. And it's interesting to me when I think about, again, going back to sort of a, a, a childlike view of the world, when, when you look at some national trouble, some deep problem that is, that is um, unnerving or anxiety-provoking, I often find it helpful to think, okay, well, at least we have so-and-so on our side, somebody who's thinking about things, who has intellectual flexibility and um, deep resources and they're in this too, and if they're in it too, then we can keep fighting. And this is this was this is going to be a terrible loss. Yeah, the the, the Washington Post. And I'm not sure that how often the, the Washington Post is going to be quoted on the Weekly Standard podcast, but in their uh, in their editorial uh, headline, Fridays Without Charles, uh, they write, "We know we speak for many of you when we say that nothing and no one can replace him." Charles wrote for the right reasons. Lord knows, and presidents from right to left can attest, he didn't seek invitations to White House dinners or other badges of approval from the powerful. He sought, rather, to provoke us to think, to enlarge our understanding, at times to make us laugh. Like few others, he succeeded week after week, Friday after Friday, year after year. His unsparing judgments were cheered by some readers while angering others, but few would disagree that he wrote a column of breathtaking range and intelligence and integrity. Yeah. Um, and then they quote from his, uh, the book, the book that, uh, you know, you were discussing earlier, Things That Matter, um, how uh, Charles Krauthammer mused about what humans should send into space as evidence to any other species that might be out there. Uh, he noted that, that we had chosen to send, um, apparently, words from a UN Secretary, Kurt Wild- Waldheim, who later was uh, found to have played a part in Hitler's uh, armed forces. A minor one, mind you, he wrote, just a small willing cog in the machine. Makes you wish that we'd immediately sent out a Voyager 3 beeping frantically, please disregard all previous messages. And then the Post writes, we could start rattling off the Krauthammer columns that they should have put on Voyagers 1 and 2 as more genuine evidence of the, of the worth of humanity. Columns about chess and baseball and astronomy and philosophy and war and peace and always about politics, what he called the crooked timber of our communal lives. Everything else he depends. Uh, everything else depends. He knew on getting the politics right, and uh, then they, in deference to Charles's request, we're going to hold off uh, the reading list at least for now. Uh, but they agree that uh, Friday will always be Charles's day, and that was the day that, you know, so many years uh, we dropped the crowd hammer, uh, and it's uh, something I'm going to remember for a very, very long time. And I know that people are going to read and they're going to hear a lot of tributes. Uh, about uh, Charles Krauthammer and remind me of a lot of the things that, uh, that, that he did. And this is, this is kind of a rough draft, so uh, um, I want to thank my wife for uh, coming up in her pajamas uh, to talk about uh, this. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back on Monday. We'll do this all over again. <laughs>